Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode 100. I can't believe it. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. I am. We're a couple in Austin, Texas, and... Eugene, Oregon, although not currently. Getting to know each other better (laughs) by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing our must-see movies and guilty pleasures from the past. We've shared a lot of guilty pleasures. Have we? Not really that many. Okay. Some. Shall I just edit that line out right now? No, it's fine. Okay. We shared a lot of movies, <laughs> movies. and television shows yeah. and media properties. Yeah. I think we're Brought to like... us by the great conglomerates in the sky. <laughs> okay. Um, so, in case you didn't catch it the first time, I have to say again, this can you believe we've done a hundred of these? This is our hundredth episode. It uh, all started in January of 2018. January 5th, 2018. This, it just reminds, every time you say this, it reminds me of the Mr. Show episode where they lost the episode, the lost episode. So when are we going to make our lost episode? I don't know, but we've already done our Mr. Show episode. That's right. So we don't get to do that. (laughs) Um, I could manage to lose this episode later on if you prefer. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So for our hundredth episode, you know what I decided to do, right? For the past three weeks, I've been editing a clips show with our best segments from every single episode we've ever done. No, you haven't. You haven't been doing that. I haven't That's done that. That's not true. That's not something I'm likely to do. <laughs> we are, we are, we've always been in the uh, mindset of, like, how can we do this, like, as quickly and shoddily as possible? Yeah. And I don't mean to throw our show under the bus. No. It's just. <laughs> it's just a matter of... Hey, do you have an hour? Yeah, do you have an hour? Okay, I'll go set up the microphone. I'll record it. Okay, let's release it on Wednesday. Yeah. Great. Can you write the blurb? Sure. Yeah, it's true. That's, that's, that's how, how we make works. this podcast. That's how it goes. We are, right now, we had to find that's it. That's how the sausage is made. It's true. That's what the money's for. <laughs> I don't know we why. We haven't done Mad Men. That's a Mad Men quote. Yeah. Um, um, so we, uh, we decided we, we do have a format change of a, of a type Mm. Our con- conceptual change this just, time. Just Be- once, though, right? Not, like, forever. No, just once. It's, okay. it's the 100th episode extravaganza, and I'm surprised I was able to say that. It's like the monster truck of Shut Up and Watch This, right? What is not making a noise now that I'm was sorry. making a noise? It's, it's my phone. You can't leave in the middle of the... I'm not leaving. I'm just turning off my phone. It wasn't the phone. There was, the air conditioner was blowing the whole uh, okay. time. It's fine. We're such professionals here. <laughs> Okay, so the concept change this time is right. For for the past, what is it, five years? Yeah, yeah. Five years. Ish. The concept has always been, I choose something. It's my choice. Something that I love. Something that I want to uh, introduce or it to. Or I you. choose. <laughs> not I'm not saying you. it's only me. You didn't let me finish. <laughs> okay. Each of us gets to choose something. Uh-huh. That means something to them. Yes. And then we watch it together. Uh-huh. And we unpack it here for you. And uh, this time we're switching that around, okay? So maybe even it's not shut up and watch this today, but sort of a more, a gentler calm down and share this episode. So what we're going to do this time is it occurred to me, we were talking about what, what we could do differently. And mm-hmm. what, I, what, what I wanted to do and I pitched to you was, well, what if instead of, what if instead of me choosing something that I really love and yeah. want to expose you to, what if I pick something that I know you love, yeah, really love, and that means something to you that we've never gotten to have a conversation about? 
So this is like the the gift giving version of shut up and watch this. So because you didn't you didn't approve of my uh, my suggestion, which was to review Naked again, spend another hour arguing about Naked. <laughs> no, but you are now. I feel like this deserves a clip from the Naked episode yeah. <laughs> uh, before this goes out. We need some David Dules in here, but not actually. I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to channel that character in in my discussion today. Okay. So this is my gift to you is I wanted us each to choose something that we know the other person loves Mm. or has a special connection to, but we've never gotten to do a show about. And so it's like, here, I'm giving this to you. You get to talk, you get to info dump and talk about this thing that you like. Okay. Okay. For, For a shorter amount of time though. Yes, for a shorter amount of time. Yeah, that's another important point to make because if you are, uh, if you've listened to us at all before, you've probably noticed that sometimes our episodes are, I don't know, an hour and twenty minutes, hour mm-hmm. and thirty minutes, because we can ramble a little bit about, you know, strange documentaries, all that. Yeah. Doing it right now, in fact. Yeah. Okay, so who wants to go first? I don't know. You, I guess you don't. Uh, sure. You do. Okay, I'll go okay, first. Tell me, what did you choose for me to, so to when, watch? So when you proposed this um, concept, uh, my immediate thought was that we should do Rashomon. Oh. Uh, yeah. That was the first thought that came to my head. Um, I That's like one of the movies that I've loved the most since it that we watched together. It figures it's not one that we did. The- we didn't do it on the podcast. We just watched it on a Saturday morning. And like, I think we had some really interesting conversations that come came out of seeing that. It, to me, it's um, like a lot of Kurosawa, really deeply human. Um, it's fascinating in its structure. It has like so much that we could talk about. Um, and um, I was just really impressed with that film. It's so sophisticated and interesting. And I mean, like, has very influential as well you know in going forward in filmmaking so okay everybody i'm sorry you can't see me (laughs) beaming right now but (laughs) she's gone and chosen pretty much one of my favorite film directors a movie that we saw outside of the confines of the podcast several years ago and uh, have always been like oh i can't believe we never got to I think sometimes you've asked, did we do an episode on Rashomon? I can't, I can't, I mean, no, I know we talked about but it But we haven't a lot. had like the 90 yeah. minute talk about and we're not going to have a 90 minute talk about it now. No. Just warning you. <laughs> I like that choice. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I don't mind talking about Kurosawa. Yeah. You don't, I don't mind, mind talking about Rashomon. I don't mind talking about Toshiro Mifune and uh, Takashi Shimura and the, all those actors and the, the rain, right? Yeah. It's pouring today. Yeah. We have this torrential storm for the first time like in... Months, months after whatever over 90 days of 100 degree weather we have our rainstorm today um we might actually uh our, our house might uh, get swept away or something i don't know we're on clay soil the the tiles are cracking the uh the foundation is cracking uh so but we'll, we'll probably still be here yeah <laughs> okay do yeah. you want to know what i chose for you yeah i yeah, hope I it's uh, i hope it's a good choice for you but it is also like Okay, I'm going to tell you what I didn't choose for you first, because I had a okay. runner-up. I don't <laughs> okay. know if you had any runners-up. It sounds like no, you just... No, I just immediately okay. knew that it was All right, Rashomon. My, my runner-up is Little Women by Greta Gerwig. Oh, yeah. And now you're going to be disappointed when I tell uh, you No, that. it's it's fine. I, I love that film, and I know we've talked about... That's the thing. I was afraid that we had mentioned Rashomon too much on the podcast before, and I know that I mentioned... Only in passing. Yeah, I mentioned Little Women, like... Maybe every other episode or something like that is not quite that it's often. It's come up a few times. Um, I I 
it's funny because I always say that, like, when I heard that she was making Little Women, I was like, we don't need another Little Women. What is wrong with you? Why are you making another Little Women? And then, like, never in my life have I been so, like, like this movie was made for me yeah. in, in a way. Like, it was... I think you. we saw it on Christmas Day. We saw it on Christmas Day. We got a 10 a.m. showing yeah. or something before getting together with the rest of the family. And I, like, after we left the theater, I cried for about 45 minutes. Just I don't could if, not. I don't even know if I knew that. Could not. I mean, like, You're could not stop feel, This crying. is not the movie I chose, yeah. Yeah. by the way. <laughs> but uh, that was a good good choice. But what is the one that you chose? <laughs> Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> Pee Wee's Big Top? No. No. Um, this is a joke based on last episode, which we recorded yesterday, even yeah. though this is coming out a month later um okay so what i chose for you big top piece. is um columbus by oh, Koganada. Yeah, yeah 2017 film that takes place in columbus indiana um by the director Koganada, starring john cho Haley lou richardson yeah and parker posey we've constantly watched this movie i know you've watched it more than me and it's become something of like a quiet comfort movie. But I wanted to choose it too because of its relation to your new career and yeah. your new path as an architect. Because it is about architecture yeah. in, in a lot of ways. It is about an in-between time and, and transitions and, and somebody heading into yeah. that kind of... The, wanting to head into that field, but also just... Um, two strangers at at moments of transition who meet in Columbus. And uh, I don't want to talk too much about it, but I hope that choice works for you because we've talked about it in little bits and pieces and we often watch it together. Yeah. But I'd like to talk about it with you, I think. And um, <laughs> we even have that <laughs> coffee table book I gave you for Christmas. Yeah. Of, uh, or your birthday at some point of, of, Colum- of beautiful photographs of of the architects, the, the modernist yeah. uh, architecture. Which is fascinating and frustrating because they're, they're 360 photographs. <laughs> yeah, I know. So they're all distorted. So, yeah. Right? So I, I, it's funny to like try to figure out like where is a pathway. So and, that was the yeah. closest thing I could do at the time to suggest that we're going to go to Columbus sometime and we're going to walk around yeah. in the places that we saw in this movie. But until that time, we get to have a conversation about it. Yeah. And um, we're going to have that conversation in... I don't know, 30 seconds from now, due to the magic of editing, okay. we're going to turn this off in a moment <laughs> and go off for however many days yeah. it takes to watch this. But to you, I'm just going to tell you, we'll be back in a, in five seconds with our conversations about, sounds like we're going to talk about Rashomon. Mm. And I wish I could tell you what year it was. I want to say 1954, 52. Something like that. I feel embarrassed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have like literally eight books on Kurosawa. I have the box set. We can talk about all this nerd stuff later. Okay. (laughs) All right. We'll be back with our reviews after this short break. It's going to be so short, you guys. Catch you soon. Bye. (laughs) We're back. 24 hours has passed and we're back. We're back. Or maybe I'm lying and the whole thing is fake. And we never went anywhere, and we didn't watch either of these movies well, again. Everything is fake. Okay, especially <laughs> if we were to talk about Rashomon first, but we're not yeah. going to talk about Rashomon first. Okay. I suggested that we talk about the movie I chose for you first. It's Ashley's pick as chosen by Dave. Okay. 
so or Dave's choice for Ashley. And again, the movie <laughs> is Columbus. Columbus from 2017, directed by Koganada. Wow, 2017. It doesn't seem that long ago no. to me, but it was before the pandemic. Yeah, and um, we saw it at Austin Film Society on probably like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Yeah, back then when it was released, limited release. It, it in art houses mostly really good years like we went to a bunch of i think that might have been around the time of uh, faces places faces, agnes places. varda and i think maybe the souvenir came a little bit mm-hmm. after that yeah but there was a whole bunch in that sort of two year period between yeah. 2017 and 2019 and that was probably when we were super active with our membership so we were going all the time yeah but um, so I, uh, we're going to try and do mini reviews on these because nobody wants a three-hour podcast, right? I said that last time. Some so, people might want well, to, like with really you know, long if commutes. On, if you're on a long drive. Or on a flight. Right. Okay. Yeah. But so we're using up our valuable time right now with all of this uh, banter. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the movie stars uh, John Cho as Jin and Haley Lou Richardson of White Lotus as Casey. Yes. Or and Cassandra. Parker Posey place Eleanor mm-hmm. and uh where should we start with this oh gosh <laughs> I already talked about why I chose it for you but I'll I can chime in with more along the way so I mean I guess I could just say that um I love this movie from the very first time that we saw it it's I mean like in many ways it's like like a movie just made for for me like you know architectural lovers who are librarians it's kind of like right up well our alley it's like a quiet story with characters i don't know it's just it, there's amazing architecture there's philosophical discussions can we just give like a and there's little, a culkin there's there's a culkin there's yeah. a stray culkin culkin a not as often seen culkin yeah. i think it's rory culkin is it rory i it's thought it was Ro- kieran no it's rory okay it's a Culkin I forgot about, yeah. except that he's the Columbus Culkin. Okay. Um, can we just say a couple <laughs> lines about what the movie's about? Because you said it's for you, but why yeah. is it for you? It's about who are these two people we meet? So Haley Lou Richardson or is Casey, and Casey lives in Columbus, Indiana, which is a town that is famous for its big name in architecture design buildings. So they have a church by Eliel Saarinen. They have a church by Aero Saarinen. They have um, a, a library by I.M. Pei. They like all the big architects of, of the last, you know, I don't know, 70 years or so yeah. has, have built. Just uh, civic buildings there, yeah. right? We're talking yeah. banks, uh, the library. Yeah. Uh, a school, school, yeah. several schools, I think. All the schools, pretty much. All of the fire stations. Yeah. Pretty much every civic building and then some private buildings. And the reason that it's this way is there's a major um, engine company called Cummins and Cummings Incorporated, um, owned by the Irwin Miller family. And the Irwin Miller family, or I think it's Miller, one of the Millers started a foundation um, with some of his vast wealth that he, this engine company, like it runs engines all over the world. Um, like all of like buses and cranes. And so they do, they do engines for like big transportation and big construction and that sort of thing. So it's a pretty rich company. They, they use some of their resources to start this foundation 
that pays the architect's fees um, for any construction. So all you have to do is apply to this foundation. Um, hey, we're going to be building a building in Columbus. Um, we want to hire, you know, an architect and and the foundation will pay the fees. So what you end up with yeah. is this city that ha- that becomes a modernist architecture destination because it has yeah. all these sort of showpiece civic buildings. And, you know, it's interesting because like it, it's I mean, like modernism, because when this started, it was sort of modernism was at its height, but they continue to be an important place for for architects. A lot of architects want to build there still, and they still have this foundation active. So, I mean, it's not just modernism. They have lots of examples of all the quote unquote styles of architecture that came up. But, um, you know, (laughs) not to, to get a little bit geeky here, like architecture has moved away from this idea of styles and it's more about you know the place mm-hmm. and what the building is doing in that place you know um so it's less about style and more about what are the requirements or it should be mm-hmm. <laughs> um so anyway let's come back to yeah, casey yeah sorry casey lives <laughs> i love that you just did an info dump on <laughs> the history of columbus uh, uh it's fascinating to me that that well, I'm sure I yeah. asked you when we saw this, why are all those buildings yeah. in Columbus? Yeah, well, I mean, like, to me, as someone who loves architecture, what a gift to give your community. Um, but, you know, as John Cho's character says, and Haley Ruch- uh, Casey says, like, who cares? You know, that most people don't care about architecture, which is true. Um, she lives in Columbus. She loves architecture. She's fascinated by it. She goes to all the talks. She's 19, 20... Yeah. She graduated high school, never went to college. Yeah, graduated last year. Her mother has had some problems, um, and it may with drugs and men. Yeah. (laughs) And um, Casey's very anxious about that and doesn't feel like she can leave, even though she's had some offers from actual major architects um, to go study, you know, in other parts of the country. Um, but she turned them down because she's too nervous about her mother. And then we have um, John Cho's character, Jin, um, who is only in Columbus because his father is a famous architecture critic mm-hmm. um, who was touring the city when he had like a major, I think probably a stroke. Mm-hmm. They never really talk about what his thing, but he's unconscious in the hospital. Jin comes from Korea where he works as an English Korean translator. Mm-hmm. Um, to be with his father, um, you know, while he's in this coma, you know. Yeah. I mean, and essentially it's it's kind of ends up being like a death watch, although even at the end and of the movie, her, his father's still alive but unconscious. Right. So, um, but somehow we have this connection between the two of them. Yeah. They strike up a unique friendship. Because they both smoke. <laughs> they, well, they do. They do. They do. Uh, he does bomb yeah. a cigarette off for the first time they meet. Yeah. But somehow they like click right away, yeah. even though they're at different places in their life, like actually different places. He's older than her. She's just getting started in life and out of high school. But like, I feel like what accounts for it partly is that they're both. Both of them are like in limbo or stuck or yeah. on pause. It's a transition. Waiting time. for the next thing yeah. to happen. It's this period of Liminal waiting. Liminal space. Liminal time. Yeah. And f- and actually for both of them, there's that sense of obligation to family. 
because Casey doesn't feel like she can go on and have a life of her own because in her mind, her mom is too fragile and will relapse. And, and I think she's basically paying most of the rent and kind of the caretaker sort of thing. It feels like mom is living with her in her place or something. I don't know. She does all the cooking. She does the cooking. Um, It's kind of like, who's the parent here? And she's very nervous about, you know, when her mom doesn't come home when she's supposed to, and she sort of spends her evening sometimes checking up on her, phoning her to see if she's made it to her job, overnight job as a cleaner. Um, And then Jen... He's, he's on that sort of death watch, as yeah. he called it, stuck in that town, can't yeah. go back with the with the extra sort of cultural obligations, I think, that he has as a Korean son. Well, I mean, to me, and that's that's something that I think is interesting, is like he brings up the sort of Korean culture of like, you have to be there when your parent dies, because if not, they become a spirit that's trapped, you know, um, which, like, he, you know, of course, scoffs at. But, I mean, like, I think that they're they're making a more universal point, which is that it's not really a cultural thing. It's sort of a human thing that that there's this expectation that you will be there when, when your parents pass, you know. Um, so, so he's kind of struggling against that. And, like, to me, like you know, Casey's like, of course you're going to be there. You know, that's, that's what you're going to do. And he's like, and his dad's assistant, Eleanor played by Parker Posey is also like, you should be sitting by his side doing your translation work in the room with him. He needs you there as he'll, you know, he'll know in some way you should be there. And, you know, they have a difficult relationship. He said they hadn't talked in like over a year and he felt like he always felt like he was, you know, backseat to his father's obsession with architecture, you know, so he has sort of kind of a love hate relationship with the idea of architecture and modernism specifically, you know, so. So let's, let's talk, let's explore a little bit more that the steps of this friendship between um, Casey and Jin. I mean, like it is a connection about architecture too, because Clearly, it seems like other people see in her like you can be an architect or you can do something in the field. You can go to school and this could be your life and your career. And she's sort of stuck in this small world of, well, I live in Columbus. It's really fascinating. I can go to architecture talks when they happen. And probably the best thing that I can do here that's within my realm of what I can do is to like be a tour guide for the modernist site. So she's kind of always like in her mind sort of like, cooking up the the patter of what she would say uh, on the tours and stuff like that um so it's interesting she recognize they they strike up the connection because she recognizes him as probably the son of the famous critic who wasn't able to come to his lecture because he was sick and so she starts (laughs) they start she starts taking him to her top places yeah What's your number one building? What's your yeah, number two, two building? Yeah. So I don't know. Do you want to talk about some of the the places they go and what they mean to them? And So I think there's like a couple of really important conversations that I kind of want to hit on. Yeah. And the first one is when they go to her favorite building, um, which is, I believe, their first stop after they meet. Um, I think. Which building are you talking about? Um, it's the it's the bank building, which is now, I believe, a conference center, but um, designed by Eros Aronin, 
Um, I feel like she says it's her number three or something. No, no, no. That one's her number one. Because he he asked her in their first conversation what... She says, this is probably my third favorite building. And he asked what her number one. And that's how they end up at the number one. Um, So, you know, she starts doing the whole, like tour guide spiel that she's heard probably a hundred times before. And the reason we know this is that at some point during like establishing shots, they have a tour guide, a passing, tour guide passing, telling the same thing yeah. that she tells him. And like, he's just like, what are you doing? Cause she goes into this tour guide voice and he's like, what are you doing right now? Yeah. Who is this? <laughs> what is this tour guide mode you're doing? <laughs> and and he's like, do you care about this building because of the facts about yeah. it? Or or is there something else that that and moves you? She, and she says, it moves me. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's what I want to hear about. Um, and like the, the beauty of the way this film is directed is that we don't get to hear what she says. No, as soon as she starts telling him, we cut to a reverse shot inside mm. the bank looking out the front yeah. big glass window at her. And we see her face mm. and her opening up and the smile and as she's thinking it out and her gestures as she's telling him how it moves her and we never get to hear what she says but yeah. we get to see it i think Haley lou does such a great performance in that moment because you you get the that that passion yeah coming through and you don't need to know what she says <laughs> about it because they reach that point where they got past the BS of like the facts and the dates and stuff. And she's just talking about whatever, you know, the yeah. openness and the, how it feels and stuff like that. Well, it's, it's interesting because like in my first term of architecture school, I, everybody has a different approach. Every teacher has a different approach, but my media and studio teacher really wants us to get to the point where we're thinking about how a building makes people feel rather than, focusing on, you know, just providing what needs to be provided, but making an experience for people. Um, Because that's like the power of architecture. And I think that's like one of the central themes that, that Koganata is getting at, which is that, you know, the facts of things aren't important on a human, from a human perspective, what's important is how an experience or a place or a, you know, activity makes someone feel. And that's more important than the actual, you know, physical, (laughs) measurable reality. (laughs) So, and that's what he gives us because he gives us, I mean, I know we've talked a lot about the architecture and the modernism and why this city exists and how their connection begins with architecture and her taking him on the tour of her favorite spots her the best places for her but it's a human story that happens to play out there yeah in these spaces um i was like well why 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 is that why is this why does this movie exist why did (laughs) why why put these two people in this story in columbus well and interesting i think that leads to the next conversation which i think is important and this conversation is with rory culkin's character oh cool forgotten his name okay his, and his name is Gabriel. Gabriel. I wrote it down. I didn't and he's the name. librarian, at the, or one of the librarians at the public oh, library. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. we didn't, did we mention that Casey works part-time at, at, at the, the library? At the public library. Yeah. So, yes, we are librarians uh, who like architecture. Well, you are. So he found at some point a book with a bunch of marginalia in yeah. it in the library. And he takes it home and he reads it. 
And he goes on to tell Casey what he found out during this. So he tells this great story about a professor who's very upset at his son who he can't pay attention to books, but he spends all day on video games. And, you know, he talks about like, what if you flipped that? Like, what if he he gets he tries to get his professor dad to play video games with him? And he he's bored after, he, two, bored minutes. after two minutes. He so like the point is, is that we don't as a society have an attention problem. The problem is an interest, in, an problem. interest problem. So it's interesting that the and what you value. Yeah. And what you value. So, you know, we have two people who feel differently about architecture, have different experiences with it, but they're able to come together and have this, you know, interest and discuss these problems within the context of, of you can, the frame, the framing, <laughs> mm-hmm. the structure of their discussions is framed by the architecture, but what they get to is like a real core emotional, like what it means to be human, what it means to be stuck in this position because of these obligations. What does it mean to break free of them or, and when do you choose to, um, you know, stay within the confines of that because of, you know, the responsibility is, you know. Yeah. You know. I want to talk a little bit, because we talked about Casey's interest in in architecture and how she could, if she was ever able to feel like she could break away from her mom, she could go to, um, was it New Haven she wants to go to? Um, That that was the initial offer. I will say that um, Deb, I can't, I forgot her last name, starts with a B, is a real architect. <laughs> okay. Burke. <laughs> yeah, Burke. Burke. Yeah. Okay. Um, what I was going to say is we didn't talk about, um, you made a good point about they have different relationships yeah. to architecture. And Jin, it will, he says, I hate architecture. I yeah. don't care about it. Yeah. I don't. But he doesn't hate it. I don't think. Yeah. But his relation is like, that's what his dad did. And that's what probably he just has lived in the shadow of his dad's reputation and yeah. scholarship his whole life. And the problem in their relationship, as you said, is they haven't spoken in a year and you get the sense that his dad has always been very cold with him and they don't mm. have much of a relationship. Yeah. Um, maybe even what he's done in his life hasn't been accepted kind yeah. of thing. Uh, but that leads me to another conversation they have. And I don't know what the building is, but that one where they're out in the field by the, the hospital bridge yeah. thing. Where here he is, like, I don't care about architecture and I hate it. And he speaks very eloquently about about how that architect, who you can probably name. I could look it up. (laughs) I have it on me. Wanted to create that bridge as... Robert Stern. As a literal and metaphorical sort of passage of transition, you know, into healing and mindfulness and stuff as as you're entering that part of the hospital. And um, he says that (laughs) and Casey's like... And you hate architecture. You don't yeah. care. You don't know anything about architecture. You hate it, kind of thing. He's like, well, you know, I did read that. <laughs> well, he read it, a book in his dad's room. Yeah. Is the reason, but he- <laughs> but because but his dad was yeah. at one time working on a study of that building. So yeah. in a sense, he was kind of also tangentially learning something about his dad in yeah. terms of something that his dad was interested well, and, in. He could that, have picked up any book. He picked up and read something that was one of his dad's focuses of study for a, a period. So, I mean, like, and that's sort of his thing throughout the whole thing is he's carrying around his father's notebook 
and trying to discover there's something drawn and something written in, in, I believe it's in Korean. He translates for her. Um, that's right. Much ado about nothing. Yeah. Is, is, is and they're trying written. to figure out what it references and there's yeah. some sketches and stuff in the, the notebook. And so like at the sort of one of the concluding parts of the movie, um, they're sitting on the city hall steps and the city hall is a building that's round circular. Um, and then there's cantilevered, um, part of the circle and it just doesn't quite meet. Talk to me about this. I was fascinated by it and it obviously supposed to mean something. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that that's the, I mean, like that's the, that's the heart of the movie, which is that like, you know, you know, it's, it's, you know, sound and fury signifying nothing. You right. know, this is, I mean, like, it, you know, human experiences, you know, like, the emotions, the heart of it is, you know, ultimately nothing but air, but it's the most important thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's that is the most important thing, that the gap between people, the that dead space is the is the point, you know, and like the part of the building that's not there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think he brings it up in other, like there's all these scenes in the end where there's an empty chair with his dad's hat in it, or sometimes they just show the empty chair. And like, it's funny, my architecture professor said something about like, when you show an empty chair, there's this implication of something missing or that it belongs to someone, you know, there's something about it, just a chair um, signifies the absence of someone, um, which is kind of an interesting thing. But I also like, like one of my favorite things about this film is, and I'll use it as the sort of last thing is that there is this focus on hallways, bridges, all this transitional space. So courtyards, um, I wrote that down. Alleys. I wrote down that there's so many times (laughs) where we're at a camera position, looking straight down a hallway or a corridor. Yeah. And people move, sometimes there's nobody there and it's just a beat of punctuation where we're looking at in that space. And sometimes people move in and up and down that corridor. Yeah. So, I mean, like in the inn is one of the places. So it's, it's a narrow closed in space. They're shooting in it. Um, but they're shooting from down the hallway into the area, the main area. And the same thing with Casey's house, the most commonly used image we're getting of them is I believe it's in her mother's bedroom looking through the house towards the kitchen. And we don't ever see fully what's happening in the kitchen. It's just this idea that there's a kitchen in there and there's cooking happening. A and teapot goes yeah, off, you know, that kind of thing. The, um, so it's this like these transitional spaces, which are like, we don't even think about them because we're headed to a destination. We don't, you, I mean, like, unless it's a fancy bridge, we don't think about a bridge. We think about the bridges connecting us to the other side. And I feel like that Koganada is having us focus on those connections between, like, life and death and parent and child, you know, past Definitely. and future, you know. And there's a lot of, like, looking into buildings with glass and mm-hmm. then looking out, looking out, of them uh, too. out of them as well. So it's it's interesting that... I think in particularly in the conversation where she's describing what moves her about the building, it's like the buildings are silent observers mm-hmm. of the human experience that's happening in them and around them all the time, which I think is really interesting. Um, they are witnesses to the, you know, 
I don't know. It's it's a good movie. There's two things I want to say <laughs> before we wrap this up. Yeah. One is uh, you sort of touched upon at the very beginning, but to me, there's this kind of film that you and I really like yeah. that I call like a slow movie or mm-hmm. slow cinema, and I don't know if that's how people use that, if that's a real term. I, um, but the, another example would be like Patterson by yeah. Jim Jarmusch. Um, I wrote down a couple other ones. Showing Up, the Kelly Reichert movie we just saw with Michelle Williams. Souvenir. I think The Souvenir uh, by Joanna Hogg is like that. I think both Ghost World and Lost in Translation. There's this kind of movie that you and I like that are just about, usually about two people Mm. connecting. And how weird is it that it's it's (laughs) often the age gap, like platonic friendship, sometimes not platonic friendship. But that leads me to the other point I wanted to make quickly is that there are not very many movies made about a man and a woman who like have a connection or a friendship that's totally not romantic or there's not, that's not even on the table and they're just two people who connect and because of this, where they are in their life at this particular moment and the fact that they're experiencing some, something similar, even though they're at different stages and it's the details are different and yet they're able to help each other in some way. I thought this movie does that really well. Yeah. Also, it speaks to me because I feel like at, at, I feel like I have been Haley in some sense because I had a difficult relationship with my mom. Yeah. Um, and definitely get some of the trauma of having like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a, a parent who isn't a parent kind of yeah. thing. And and how that affects your life, you know, yeah. the whole rest of your life <laughs> for that matter. Um, and any last uh, thoughts? Because we have a whole other movie to talk about well, today. I, I think we should share it. And there is a guide to all the architecture in the film oh, you want put, to put out that by the, the Columbus uh, um, thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, like art, <laughs> you know, some people really care about art and some people don't care about art at all, you know, so, but it's still there. It still yeah. exists, you know, and we're going to go to Columbus someday because well, of I this movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and like I said, the place where I got you was the book with the way too uh, panoramic uh, wide angle pictures. It's it's confusing but mentally. It's, you know, it's a beautiful coffee <laughs> it's table a book. book. It to doesn't look exactly understand. like. Uh, but um, we'll go there someday because oh, I know one last thing I wanted mm. to ask you because in a way you are Casey. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. You are Casey because she, okay, not just literally because she's working in a library, yeah, but you were poised to move to a new thing, to the next stage in your life. And it also happens to be architecture. You are now in a graduate program for architecture. And I'm really curious, do you remember in 2017, had you started down that path? And did this movie have any effect on you? Because I feel like this movie came at the time, and and maybe even subconsciously or unconsciously, it was kind of one of those things like I could... I could do that plant a seed sort of thing. I took my first history of architecture class in the winter of 2018. This came out in the summer. That's nuts. I didn't, it's, it's really interesting to go back and realize you hadn't even started taking those classes. And now here you are, you're a grad student at university of Oregon in architecture. I mean, we went, thank you, Koganata. Well, and I think uh, in winter that we got married. Oh, no, that was the next year. No. So, yeah, it was. Oh, we weren't even married yet. Yeah, we weren't married yet. So Interesting. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so that was my pick for you, Columbus. Yes. And I think we'll take a, a short break and come back with 
our conversation about the movie you chose for me. Okay. All right, now we're back and we get to talk about the movie you chose for me. Yes. Which was? Rashomon. 1950 film by Akira Kurosawa. Hmm. It was the very first Kurosawa movie I saw. Oh, wanna, really? If you want to go back that. to Dave's yeah. Kurosawa origin story. <laughs> by the way, I just have to take a moment to say, coincidence, we're doing Koganada and Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? Okay. Yeah. I feel like we now have to title the episode like Koganada versus Kurosawa, but it's not versus. No. Ko- Koganada Kurosawa rap battle. No. Yeah. Maybe not. Okay. There's no competition <laughs> here. Um. You You got the shirt. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was going to say, I feel really uncomfortable ever being definitive about everything. Yeah. I probably should say Akira Kurosawa is my favorite film director. And I was like debating before I hit record just now. I was going to say, oh, he's one of my top five, you know, film directors. I'm literally sitting here in a Kurosawa shirt that Mm -hmm. I had to wear the day we recorded the Kurosawa podcast. That's true. Um, So, yeah, let's just say... He's my favorite film director. Okay. <laughs> I've seen, I think, all of his, all but one of his films. Okay. The one he filmed in Siberia in the 70s called Dursu Uzala. Um, I have the giant box set. I've got how many different books do I have about Kurosawa? Yeah, how I think many you times have, have two I, box sets, don't you? Have, how, I, I have the, the post-war years tiny mm-hmm. box set, and then I have the giant Criterion. It's in a big orange box on yeah. the top of our bookcase. It doesn't even fit anywhere else, and you have to open it up, and it's got like... 30 films and, and a book and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's my baby. <laughs> uh, it was one of those things that a bunch of people like ganged up together and, and chipped in to get me like when it came out 10 years ago or so. Um, so yeah, you chose Kurosawa, even though our, one of our last episodes literally yeah. was Ikiru by Kurosawa, his 1952 film. We've also done the seven samurai before. Should, are we just like now doing a podcast called I only watch Kurosawa? Uh, I, you know, I, it's, to me, this is just the obvious choice. When, when you asked with this concept, it was the obvious choice. So, um, like what movie had we seen in the past, you know, five years that wasn't recorded that made me think and led to interesting conversations that we hadn't captured. And that you you knew I kind of was fond of somewhat. Yeah. (laughs) So I've, I'm sure I've told the story before, um, probably when we talked about Seven Samurai, but since nobody has listened to that episode, I'm just kidding. Um, hundred and something. <laughs> um, Kurosawa, so the first time I saw a Kurosawa film was when I lived with my sister when I was in high school. We lived in the Castro district, uh, two, three blocks away from the Castro Theater, which is like one of the great rep theaters, maybe not anymore, they changed their... Format. whatever their format and got bought out but i grew up just down the street being able to see whatever the hell they decided to show and back then they put on a month-long retrospective of everything they could get their hands on that kurosawa had done and i think what lured me in was in high school we had studied Macbeth, probably that year the year mm-hmm. before and so i thought oh look they're doing a. They're doing Throne of Blood, Kurosawa's version of Macbeth. Oh, and it opens with another one, Rashomon. So I went there to see Throne of Blood, but actually it was Rashomon that came on first, and that's the one I love the most yeah. of those two. And the rest is history. 
so because <laughs> I had to see everything else he did. Yeah. Um, it's been a lifelong love. It got me super into like Japanese film, foreign film of every kind. It was just around that time, that watershed moment for Dave of, I want to see every French film, Italian film, Polish film, Japanese film, Chinese film, Korean film, all that. I want to see all the films, all, all, the all. Film. just give them all to me. <laughs> so now I guess we need to talk about the movie. Yes. That was probably more interesting than our conversation. <laughs> Not that that was that interesting. So we've got uh, a period film. Yes. That has a frame story with a priest, a woodcutter, and a peasant at the Rashomon Gate. Yes. And the priest and the woodcutter, it sounds like a joke. Yeah. The priest and the woodcutter <laughs> have just come from, uh, he, from participating in the trial testimony of a rape and murder that occurred in the in the woods or in the up forest, on the mountains. up on the mountain yeah. forest um and they've heard all the testimony and in some some of them have participated in the testimony and they and nothing meshes every, not they can't make heads or tails of it they don't understand and the, and they're just baffled and need to like process it and unpack yeah. it and so the peasant who's it's pouring down rain and it's just yeah. beautiful kurosawa black and white pouring down rain in the ruins. I of promise this. I'm going to let you talk. Okay. <laughs> uh, in the ruins of the gate. Yeah. And th- that's the frame story to talk about the, 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 what happened, what may or may not have happened, what transpired between the, the, uh, the bandit, the samurai and his wife yeah. that led to the death of the samurai. <laughs> so talk to me about why this movie is fascinating to you. Otherwise, I'll just keep randomly talking. Well, what's fascinating to me is that we get a recounting. So the frame story is that they're recounting to this third person. The woodcutter and the priest are recounting to the peasant guy what happened during this trial and how they got three different. Four. Well, they got three during the. Okay, fair enough. They got three during the but trial. But the movie tells four different stories. It's, it's true. Um, well, it's sh- it's actually one of the stories is told two different ways from the same perspective. One yes. is the truth, and one is or well, well. No, there is no truth. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what this movie is <laughs> literally the, about. The, there is no truth. So we hear each <laughs> the, of the different versions, but more importantly, we see more, dramatized. Yeah each of these different versions of what happened and they're all completely different yeah. and they're all completely contradictory. Mm. <laughs> the person who killed the samurai is different in every story. Yeah. How the rape happened and whether it was a rape is different in every story. story. The behavior of the, of the three participants before, during, after is different. Like in every story. Yeah. And yet we see it presented to us here. We're used to going to a movie and the story that you see on the screen is we're supposed to accept that as what happened. Yeah. But now we're getting three, four, five, whatever different contradictory versions of it. And we see it played out. Um, Yeah. And you know what? What is subjectivity? What is truth? (laughs) That's what unc- actually happened? What we actually don't know. Happened. We don't know. Is this a mystery film? Yeah. Not really, no. No. Is it a philosophical film? I mean, we know that the guy's dead. Yeah. <laughs> we know that someone killed him, you know, and we know that there's a missing dagger. Yes, but what moves you, Casey, <laughs> about this? Are you about just the- interested in the facts? <laughs> the facts, yes. Um, one of the things that I think really interesting um, is that at some point the story is told by the dead man 
<laughs> okay, let's let's just before yeah. we do that, yeah. let's go through the different stories. Yeah. Right. Obviously, this is a spoiler. Yeah. For a 1950 <laughs> Japanese movie <laughs> that either you've seen or you have no intention of seeing or whatever. Um, so the first story we hear is just the woodcutter is the one who found the woodcutter who's telling. The, he says that, that he found the body. He, sa- he found the body. He was walking along on what a picturesque little walk he's yeah. on, you know, with the sunlight dappled through the forest. And um, and he finds the, the 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 woman's hat and veil in mm-hmm. the bushes and he finds the body of and the cut of rope. The man, and the cut rope yeah. and the body um, with a sword in it is yeah. what he says. Yeah. Okay, and then you get to them them recounting what the testimony of yeah. the different participants who are on tr- uh, in the trial. Yeah, and so the first story we get is um, the bandit story. Yeah, Toshiro Mifune, the great Toshiro Mifune, my favorite Toshiro Mifune, the star of Seven Samurai. Yeah, and all the others um, is the bandit in like it crazy eccentric, yeah. overwrought, like completely <laughs> wacko. Uh, performance like at he's at 11 the whole time like laughing oh i think the guy that caught him thought that he was crazy because he fell off of a horse but it turns out he's that's just how he is yeah no he's (laughs) he's just like that um he actually doesn't act like that in other movies it was a performance he was doing they they wanted him to do this sort of exaggerated theatrical like theater type performance you know where it's like to the rafters sort of thing um, so his story is he's asleep under the tree and he has that moment of seeing the woman go by on the horse with the veil and her ankle and he's aroused and, uh, yeah. and, uh, he goes off to, uh, have his way with her. Yeah. So he convinces her husband to follow him to where he has some weapons buried and then he ties him up and he says the woman fell for him. Right. You know, so we're gonna see that <laughs> everybody who tells the story tells a story that puts them in a better light. Yeah, and this is like the thing that they this becomes a thing in psychology textbooks. Yeah, in human psychology textbooks called the Rashomon effect. I think that has to do with uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the yeah. The, everyone's ego gets in the exactly. way of, of objective or yeah, objective truth. So in that version of the story, he and the husband in the aftermath, like, fight to the death. Yeah. And it's a vigorous, honorable sword fight, you know, where... It's very choreographed. It's very choreographed. And and he says the husband was, you know, fought honorably and our swords crossed 23 times and it wasn't easy. And then, but he killed him in the end. Right. So in the story, he said, what's interesting to me is that even though we're getting the subjective story where the person is putting themselves in the best light, the best light is never the fact that they're innocent. The best light is always that they were like more honorable or something. Yeah, that's interesting. Because every one of these people who tells the story is the one who killed the yeah. the man. Because the next story you get is the woman who they found hiding out in a temple. In well, the it's aftermath. interesting because her story, she says that she was holding her knife and she passes out. And then she wakes up and she sees her knife in her husband. Right. You know, so because, well, because he, she's so, he, he, he looks came, at her with, yeah, go ahead. With, I mean, like, 
like hatred and hatred and disdain like she's at fault for being raped by this bandit which is clearly his fault because why did you follow this guy into the woods i mean like your one job did you just wake up (laughs) yes i mean what does this guy look like legit he does not he's like this half naked guy in the woods yeah carrying a sword carrying a sword here, come see. It's like, yeah, yeah you don't the, follow. I mean, this is, this you don't is, follow people down alleyways no. who say, "Here, come look at the <laughs> cigarettes in the trunk or whatever." I mean, unless it's Goodfellas. So, I mean, like to me, like her story is is the most interesting. Like, yeah, she shows. She says that um, you know she she fought hard, and then you know she's so devastated by her husband's you know rejection of her after after this terrible thing happened that she tells him to kill her yeah and yet she swoons and wakes up and her knife is in his chest yeah yeah interesting another discrepancy among all the stories is whether it's a dagger or a sword yeah cuz the bandit i mean the the woodcutter who supposedly found the body says it's a sword yeah okay but we find out more about that later and then the third story is the story of the dead man, which is, this is to me is like, it's, it's so like, so far we've kind of been rooted in reality. <laughs> and then they hire this, um, a medium priestess or medium yeah, to they, come and, is... and like revive the spirit. And so like, we get this like whole, his whole story told through the, this possessed. Yeah. So you have this old woman possessed, like literally they're shooting it with <laughs> There's wind that only affects her, like yeah. it's like whipping her hair around the whole yeah. time, and 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 they've dubbed the 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 voice of the of the man yeah. who played the samurai. That voice is coming out of her mouth, and he the dead man tells his story. And in his version of the story, what's his version of the story? Well, he's he's talking from hell. He says he's stuck in hell, and um, he says that his wife begged the bandit to kill him, and then. The bandit turned around and said, I'm going to kill her because she's yeah. so dishonorable and sinful. Yeah, that she would do that. Yeah. He's like, do, well, he says, do I kill her or do I spare her? You tell yeah. me because what she just did is unforgivable. And then she gets up and runs away. And in his story, he kills himself. And that's why he's in hell. Right. Yeah. But it's the honorable thing to do, right? In yeah. this society. But this he time says for, that he killed himself with the dagger. With the dagger. Yeah. But you see how everybody <laughs> is the one who's the killer. They're yeah. never like the innocent. Like, it's, it's very interesting. Isn't like, that interesting? Yeah. In the woman's version, she's the one who killed him with the dagger. Yeah. In Mifune's, he stabbed him in the course of an honorable, like, really brutal fight. Yeah. And, the, and then this guy commits, you know, basically like a ritual suicide as an, like, an act of honor after having all of this go down. Yeah. And so then there's a, there's a fourth story that comes about after we rejoin our 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 crew of storytellers back yeah. at the Rashomon gate in the rain. Yeah. And that's So th- we're discovered like after the the woodcutter just gets really frustrated cuz he's like it's not true even the even the ghost is a liar because it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't a dagger it was a sword. And like the peasant guy is like wait a minute. There's something you're not saying because you know more than yeah, why do you, you saw don't... more than yeah. you say you saw, and so then we get the fourth story or the fifth story, depending of what actually he well, he thinks he saw. This, at least this is now he didn't just find the body; he, he... saw the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> and then in his version of the story, what is it? The he sees the the woman like 
ends up like getting hysterical and laughing at the men afterwards. Yeah. So like kind of like a like a shock reaction. Yeah. Like, how dare you as my husband not defend me? Yeah. You know, and you know And you, you think I'm gonna go with you? And, yeah. And, and basically in her hysteria challenges them to fight it out for her. Yeah. And so they do. Talk to me about how this fight is different from the one that Mifune the bandit. Oh, so this described. is like it looks like um, it looks like a real fight. Like you know, there's like scrappling on the ground, and nobody is hitting their swords, and they keep missing each they other. They miss each other, and the sword goes in the dirt, and they yeah. trip, and they roll down hills, yeah. and yeah. like it's just the most ridiculous, clumsy real world sort of fight. It's not like a noble <laughs> choreographed sword fight. There's a song on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend called Real Life Fighting is Awkward and yeah. and it's like this that. Is that. <laughs> this is that. You could put yeah. that music over this scene. <laughs> um yeah. So it and you know in that story, you know, the bandit does kill the guy, you yeah. know, but it's it's not an honorable no, basically, it's not an honorable death. The guy no ends one, up no one down acts honorably. Yeah, you know, nobody acts honorably. He has the advantage when the other guy trips and falls down and has no sword and, and yeah, and you know, totally out of breath and like barely he kills him. You know, yeah. he just kills him. He has the advantage. So I mean, like I'll just say, like I mean, like I don't think that the woman is particularly fra- like the story isn't very positive about her. No, but, not at all. But I think that I would not fault her for doing or saying anything that she needed to do in order to get out of that that situation. For sure. Where her husband put her in danger. She got raped. And now these two men are fighting. It's I, I, I do not fault her for running away or saying whatever she needed to do in order to get free. You know, so... Um, and of course, all the men say that uh, they seduced her or that yeah. it was her choice and she was into it and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and yeah. which we can't believe either. Yeah. So, but there is no version that's true yeah, yeah. as far as we know. And that's the whole point of the movie. There is no, there is no truth. Well, and, that, and then we discover what actually happened to the dagger, which well, is a valuable dagger. Right. Which is the woodcutter? The woodcutter took the dagger, which is why he's always talking about finding the the body with the sword. And yet, some of the stories that the participants told at trial were about being killed with a dagger. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, but it's not a mystery. Yeah. It's about the the contradiction between the stories, and that Mm -hmm. is the whole story. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because we have the three different perspectives, too, of the of the priest who is just utterly devastated by human nature, by by the hearing all these stories. He's just in he's like, everything is terrible. Humans are bad, you know, kind of thing. And the woodcutter's like, whatever, it's just how things are. And not the woodcutter, the peasant guy. No, is the like, peasant is, is kind like, of this everyday sort of, ah, whatever, like, what who the cares? What People die all the time. Life is terrible. Yeah, that kind of thing. And then the woodcutter is sort of this in-between, you know, figure. Yeah. Um, but what I think is interesting is the way they kind of wrap it up is that in this abandoned, you know, gate temple that they're at, somebody has abandoned a child. Yeah. Um, and the the peasant comes and steals the um, valuable kimono that's wrapped around the child um, that somebody left it with. And he's like, if, if I don't take this, somebody else will. Yeah. 
What is that baby needed yeah, for? Yeah, and you know who's evil are the parents that left this child right. here, you know, and and the the woodcutter's like, no, they're not evil. Look, they left this religious Amulet charm of pr- protection. for the child. Um, and they left it, obviously, in a place where they thought a priest would And you would know how it. bad things were for them to do this. Yeah. Um, and so then the priest doesn't know what to think. He's just sitting there, sort of shell-shocked, holding the kid. And the woodcutter offers to take the child and raise it as one of his own, because he already has six, you know, what's, yes, one, what's more? one more? And that sort of restores his faith, that one action of, of you know, something, you know, he, yeah, he stole a dagger. Yeah, he lied at trial. But he's willing to take on the responsibility of this child, you know. Um. So in the, I think in a lot of the criticism and reviews of the film at the time, yeah, there's discussion about, is that necessary to have this little tacked on human sort of thing with the baby? I, I think it does. I mean, like, I, mean, I, I, I don't know, like... To me, that's really meaningful because, like, if you, especially now, if you, like, pay much attention to anything, like, you can feel really depressed about stuff all the time. But then there's, like, this one act of human kindness that that comes across. And it's only, we only need one act of human kindness to signify that there is some hope. Yeah. And that all people aren't evil like yeah. they're, they're kind of sitting there just <laughs> like they've the priest is like i've lost all of my faith in humankind yeah until this moment and sort of i guess that's where we are until that yeah. moment too because you've got nothing else to go on here yeah well i mean you know you can think of it as like one terrible thing that happened you know because terrible things happen all the time but good things happen all the time too you know is that why you got me a poster that says good things happen? Yeah. Love is real. Love is real. Good things we'll, we'll happen. We'll be okay. Until yeah. we're not. We'll be okay. <laughs> Did you get that for me in 2016 or something? Uh, no, I, I think don't... it was during the pandemic, okay. honestly. But, um... There were various times in our life where more than one thing was terrible. Yeah. In terms of the world. Not like our life, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about like what the movie's about. We literally unpacked the whole story yeah. and all the different subject subjectivity and points of view. But like for me, this movie is just a beautiful movie in terms of the poetry of the mm. filmmaking and the aesthetics of it. And I could go any day of the week, I would turn it on and just watch the woodcutter walking through the forest yeah. with all of those. It's a masterclass in editing. I mean, mm. it's, it's, such dynamic Kurosawa's early filmmaking filmmaking is so dynamic the camera's moving um he's doing so much in the cutting and the rhythm of the editing um he's putting you in into the scene so when you have uh, those fights playing out in the forest you're in the space like you are being thrown around you're involved in it it's interesting because later on as he got older he started moving more to just filming everything in telephoto from a distance with two or three cameras Mm -hmm. and so later on you see movies like ron which is his epic treatment of the samurai version of king lear and you're freaking on a hillside you know miles away from all of these armies on horses like and, and like he sort of did that but these are the days where he's still telling a human story and you're right there in it and it's so dynamic and but it's it's 
I don't know what to say, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the black and white photography mm. that I have all these images in my head that I just, when I think about this movie, I see the rain mm. falling down in front of the Rashomon gate and the guys huddled, the priest and the woodcutter huddled there, stooped down there at the top of the stairs or the, the peasant running into the frame from off camera with his feet splattering through the, the raindrops. Um, and then all of the stuff like would this, this movie would not be the same did it had it not taken place in that forest yeah because the whole time it's just magical the light coming through mm. the the leaves and everything has this the dappled shadows of the leaves on the people and on the setting as as this yeah. all transpires there in the in the heart of the there's that the, one the shot woods. which i think is in the bandit story yeah. of the of the of the woman in her white yeah, hat and veil right. with this like beam of sunlight beam coming of down sunlight. and it comes, it lights up like one branch of a tree, like really bright. And then her dress. And then you get a little bit of the trickles of light on the stream that she's sitting right. by. And it's, it's and gorgeous. The music, it does that little yeah. sort of, I, what is it? Like, uh, it has that kind of fairy tale, magical, mm. um, chime sort of yeah. tone that it does every once in a while and it's like you're in this sort of charmed fantastical space everything is different in the forest also speaking of light in yeah. the forest this is one of the i think it's one of the first movies that like pointed the camera straight up at the sun mm. so when the woodcutter is is moving through the forest you're getting those oh you, you just it's very weird it's like kurosawa's like doing some sort of like cubist version of a walk because mm. you're just cutting to all sides of him with jump cuts yeah. <laughs> and you're above him and you're along his side and he's like crossing the access and it's breaking all the rules and then you're looking up at the top of the treetops and straight into the sun mm. like the sun like burning down into the camera through the treetops um it's pretty cool stuff yeah. man <laughs> I kind of like this movie a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> do, you, do you have anything else to say about... <laughs> any further thoughts about uh, now that I kind of got swept away? Well, I just... I mean, like this is the thing that... I mean, I've seen maybe four Kurosawa films now. Seven Samurai, Rashomon, Ikiru. And I've seen parts of Dreams. Oh, Dreams. Okay, yeah. yeah. Which you had gotten on... DVD um, five or six years ago. Um, And I I really am impressed by this sort of love that sort of comes out of his, or at least these films, of humanity and everything that that makes it terrible and wonderful. And I, 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 I just truly enjoy films that really you know, get into those gray areas, you know, that not everything is black and white, that there are all these conditions and, and different viewpoints. Well, he's known as one of our great humanist directors and that term is used to refer to his work a lot of the time. You know, it's, you know, compare him, it's, you know, Kubrick, you know, which I think sort of everybody feels that he's a little cold, but like, I don't always get that sort of sense that humanity, I, I mean, I don't even get the sense that humanity is neutral with him. I think it's like he has kind of a not great view of humanity, you know. I always based kind on of get life. the idea that <laughs> humans are objects in, yeah. in Kubrick. Yeah, He's exactly. more interested in the photography. Yeah. And <laughs>
that didn't just happen. So, so yeah, it's 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 interesting that um, I, I can't really think of any other like directors with bodies of work that that maybe um, Altman maybe. Some of his stuff kind of gets Rashomon is one of Altman's favorite films. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, I can't think of too many that, that really get into to that, the nature of humanity in that way, you know, that... Um, and this was based on a short story, or yeah. a couple of short stories, I think two short stories by Akutagawa, one of the great um, authors in Japan. Um, but but this way of telling the story with the the con- contradictory multiple viewpoints, I think that's mostly Kurosawa. I guess maybe mm-hmm. the, one of the original stories has a has the trial with, but I don't know. Yeah. I think he's doing by making it into a film, yeah. where you're directly contradicting this rule we have, or this of of what I'm seeing on the screen is the story as it happened. You know, and I think there's some Hitchcock films that sort of try to do this, mm-hmm. at least like visually. But yeah. I mean, again. Hitchcock is a little cold, you know, <laughs> so he doesn't really care as much about the people. It's more about the plot, you right. know, so um, and the images he wants to put across. I'm just trying to think if there's anyone that I. Some of Mike Lee's films are that way, too, you know. OK, so you did Kurosawa <laughs> so far and I haven't yeah. steered you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems to me that maybe I can keep slowly throwing more Kurosawa at you oh, yeah. as I keep going, yeah. well, here's the next best one. Yeah. And here's the next best one. Or you might like this one because it's not a period piece. It's a post-war Well, film. I haven't seen any of the Shakespeare yeah. adaptations. And I like adaptations of Shakespeare, so. Good. Well, there's three. Yeah. Because uh, there's uh, Throne of Blood is Macbeth, Ron is uh, King Lear, and um, there's a Hamlet one, and the name is gone right yeah. now from the 50s. Yeah. But it's a it's a contemporary post-war Japanese uh, film that takes place in the business world. Interesting. But it's a, a sort of Hamlet-esque adaptation, like The Lion King. Yeah, <laughs> he really. he actually. So I mean, we think of him as a Japanese director, but he's was considered to be like one of the most Western of Japanese directors because yeah. his influence was not Japanese theater and Japanese film. He was of of a he grew up watching John Ford westerns yeah. and. Howard Hawks and all the great and Orson Welles. And so he came and said, well, now let me take all this stuff and apply it to feudal Japan if I'm not and mistaken, traditional samurai storytelling. I don't think that he was all, I mean, like, I think the French were like way into, you know, like the new wave folks were yeah. like way into this, but I don't think in Japan his stuff was all that popular, you know? No, it was, mo- I think it was always like their great export was yeah. Kurosawa and we we're mm-hmm. like, Oh, Kurosawa. But I think that he wasn't as well regarded in yeah. Japan. And I don't know what his reputation is now, but I think that well, it's that's probably they don't have a museum. It's you probably know? like middle-aged white guys yeah. like me with Kurosawa T-shirts that are, yeah. are the. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I looked aflame. it up to see if there was any sort of like Kurosawa exhibit or museum, no. and there's not really. Like I would love to do that if there was like an archive or a museum that I we could go think, to. I don't think they preserved their film nope. industry very well at all. No. You know, which is and. Uh, their big film studio, Toho, there's no public tours or yeah. anything like that. And that's where all these things were made. Yeah. Anyway. So I have to be content with my copy of uh, something like an autobiography, which is the mm. book that he wrote, um, which is sometimes like just on my bedside table because yeah. I like to read about his early years, like when he wanted to be a painter and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, let's say that he's my favorite director today. Okay. We'll do that. I don't... It's it's interesting. I've gotten through architecture, through food, through other things. I've really gotten into trying to learn more about Japan as a culture. I thought that's where you're going with that. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting that I have this, like, odd fascination with, like... I, the other, like, country that I'm fascinated with is England. Always have been. And it's, like, these island countries that I... And, like, there's something that seems something about the personality and the culture of those island countries that is really attractive to me. Mm -hmm. And, like, there seems to be sort of, like, I think they've done studies, this, like, natural introversion to a lot of the Japanese Mm -hmm. people. Um, And, like... I, I don't know. It's interesting. A lot of, I don't, and it may just be like what we pick and choose because of, you know, our internal biases as Westerners about what Asian culture is and, and that sort of thing. But it seems like a lot of, of, of what I've read that comes out of Japan is this sort of deep understanding of, of humanity, you know, yeah. um, and the importance of the work that we do and the things that we make and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, and that's just, you know, I spent a lot of time watching YouTube videos of like people touring around different places. It's true. You know? She was doing that today. <laughs> today, you know, and, and, you know, it's interesting cause these are people who live there and, you know, are ensconced in the culture and, ensconced. and what they find valuable and what they find interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in that and finding out about, yeah, I don't know. But same thing with England too. I just fa- always always been interested in these like Those little island countries. countries, New Zealand. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so I want to bring this back around the yeah. block to this being yeah. our hundredth episode. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on having done a hundred of these? Did you have any idea we would ever do a hundred shows? Well, I mean, I guess <laughs> eventually. Have you, you learned anything you get from into, this you experience? You get into the fifties or so, and you're like, I guess we'll keep doing this. We get past the first four. Realistically, this is how we do this show. I guess we can do another one. Should we just stop doing this? No, I guess we can do another I, one. This is only ever him. He has this like self doubt about the podcast, and like not enough people are downloading it. But like, I mean, that's the, I don't think we've ever talked about this on. Maybe well, we have, but like, no, we talk po- about it after we yeah. hit stop. Yeah. And you're like, I don't care if people listen to this. I don't care this. if people listen to it. I have fun. I, I care if you're listening I to this. I have fun having these conversations. If people listen and get something out of it, fantastic. If they don't, I got something out of it. And that's more important to me, you know. <laughs> so do you think that uh, looking back that uh, this experiment has actually done what we wanted it to in terms of learning more about each other, getting to know each other better? Uh, yeah, I think so. It gives us a, a way to structure these conversations. I mean, otherwise, like, I think that, you know, <laughs> a lot of life as a married or, or coupled person is that you spend a lot of time next to each other looking at, you know, as John Green says, the third thing. Yeah. But like every once in a while, you need to have that time where you're not looking at that third thing that you're looking at each other and talking about. Well, the conversation yeah. we're having, we're yeah. creating something new right now yeah. together. Yeah. And you guys can't see this. Maybe I'll post it on the uh, Instagram or something like that is literally our setup is right now. Yeah. While you happen to not be in Eugene <laughs> is we're sitting across from each other. We're actually in our room 
yeah. with uh, what is this uh, uh, an end table? Yeah, something. A like stack that. of six textbooks <laughs> and a podcasting mic that has bi-directional. Uh, pickup on it yeah. so you're on one side I'm on the other and we're literally having a conversation making eye contact the whole time yeah. and we're just having a conversation well it's it's interesting it's just like you know every once in a while we'll go out to like a real dinner out you know like not pick up fast food you know once or twice yeah. well I mean we should do it more but yeah. like we go to a real dinner where you order food and and there's an appetizer and there's drinks and you have time to like and it takes two at, hours yeah look at each other and really talk about things and your tongue is loose because you had a really good cocktail um and i have one yeah. right now in fact <laughs> but you don't so I, there well, you go. I don't i don't drink much at home anymore but um keep going yeah <laughs> There's there's something about connecting in that way that, you know, that this this podcast has allowed us to do, you know, without spending two hundred dollars or whatever. Right. It's cheaper than therapy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's cheaper than barley swine, at least. But That's true. Yeah. But we we don't have to go to barley. We could go to a cheaper restaurant. I wouldn't mind going to barley. Swine. We like barley swine. So. We only go once a year, maybe. Yeah. On your if birthday. That. Yeah. On your birthday. All right, so I guess then the last question I want to ask you is, uh, how are you feeling about doing another hundred of these? Is this the the break in between? Uh, will we get our second wind and, and just head on, do another one, and then another one, and then another one? Yeah, I mean, like, I could con- see us continuing to sort of play with the format, you know. Um, although it's So pop- that we never have to talk about Overboard with... Uh... <sighs> we tried. There's nothing to talk about with Overboard. <laughs> It's kind of weird. <laughs> With Goldie Hawn and yeah. uh, Kurt Russell. And Kurt Russell. Um, I'm sure. We don't ever have to do a show about Overboard. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, like, eventually we might get to the peanut butter solution. I don't know. You know. It's a weird film. Um, I told you that this I saw came up I recently. Kid, you know. Maybe I track down some of those odd, like, Japanese and Canadian animated shows that I used to watch when I was a kid, you know, just really get deep in the weeds. You could do that because I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) So (laughs) anyway, yeah, (laughs) there's so many possibilities. We could even talk about weird Canadian animation. You know, and the thing is, I'm not sure if it was Canadian because Nickelodeon had a lot of Canadian shows. Right. But these also might have just been like small animation studios you know, in Korea or Japan or China, I don't know, probably not China. It was kind of closed off um, <laughs> that were translated and premiere and showed on Nickelodeon or that we rented at the weird uh, video store. Video Gigante. Not Video Gigante. Oh, okay. The weird one that was by the Radio Shack. Okay. I don't remember Sorry, what it was I'm called. Sorry, uh, yeah. I'm misrepresenting your yeah. past years. <laughs> your past life? Well, it sounds like Which I texted my brother and he never texted me back, but you know. Hi, Chris. <laughs> All right, we should sign off. Yeah. And I, I let's. I call. Let's. It's a deal. I mean, I would clink your glass if you had okay. one. I have a. Water okay, glass. so let's to a hundred more episodes of Shut Up and Watch This. Yay. And uh, but promise you'll never shut up, and that we'll keep having these conversations. Okay, I'll keep. I'll try. All right, we'll be back with okay. a regular weird episode. Yes. Not a weird one uh, hundredth episode. Is it your pick? I think. It's my pick. Yeah. I think I know what I'm going to do. Okay. But I'm not telling. It's not the peanut butter solution. 
it's not the peanut butter solution. I cannot believe you mentioned the peanut butter solution. Sorry. Okay. Watch the trailer on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Yik from Yik Degrassi is in yeah, the, the yeah, peanut butter you, solution? You told me that. Okay. All right. We're going to go. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, tell your friends about the show. Like and like, not like. You can't like a podcast. You, you can, can subscribe. Like a, they can like Well, it. we're not on YouTube. Follow it. We're not follow on, it on follow Spotify. It, but we're not on YouTube. We well, could we put it on, on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, all the usual places. Um, and please leave us a five star review if you're so inclined because it'll help other people find us. And we'll be back again with another episode, Dave's Pick, next month. All right. Bye. Bye.